Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. If um, you have an electronic device, you can use that to uh, take notes along with us today. You have to have our app. I don't want to go into the details of getting you signed up for that, uh, an electronic device. But if you came in and you got a bulletin, there are notes you can take right along for this. This is a note-taking kind of message. That's why I say that and, and I'm making a point of it today because you're going to find this is a teaching as much as it is a preaching. It is a teaching. So uh, there's a lot that I am going to sort of cram into the next 40 minutes or so uh, of this day. And I'm setting you up already. It's going to be at least 40 minutes before I get to this because I want you, I want you to catch. Uh, you know, if you live in our world, we really need to work at having a mind, our minds renewed by the power of Holy Spirit in our lives. We really need the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. Um, if you, how many of you are here right now that were not with us last Sunday? Just lift your hand up if you don't mind. So that, that's a pretty good number of you. And I don't say that to embarrass you or point anything out. Only that I need to let you know, this is part two. You see it says Renewed Minds 2.0. That's because this is the second half to a message that I brought last Sunday. And so if you have a computer and you can connect with us through Facebook, you can connect with us through um, YouTube, and we archive our messages, so you probably should pick that, you're not probably, you should pick that message up, take some time this week and listen to it. Um, this message will stand well enough by itself, but it will help you if you pick up last week's message to tie it all together. And um, I, I left you sort of knee-deep in a message uh, about living life differently than those around us. It's a, it's a message about standing out in a good way. How many of you are familiar with standing out in a bad way? You can draw attention to yourself and not intend to do so, right? Somebody trips your trigger and things happen, right? And, and you'll stand out. But I want to talk about standing out in a good way. I'm encouraging you to look and serve like Jesus did for all of humanity. He gave himself. Listen to this passage of scripture, the, the Passion Translation of Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served, by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as the ransom price for the salvation of many. That's not natural to us, is it? It's certainly not an American way of thinking. And in essentially worldwide, we are similar in this concept. Now, the sub-point sub I left you with last week was thinking spiritually in a natural world. Our minds don't think the way that that scripture reads about giving ourselves. We're more about what we deserve. 
the entitlement mentality runs throughout our, uh, our country, our nation, if you will. People deserving things that they did nothing to earn. It, it goes back to the, to the uh, early 2000s, I believe, was around the time when, it, when I saw this start happening because my own kids were in sport programs. And, you know, they would get a trophy just because they showed up every week. And so we've, we've taught people that they deserve things when they have done nothing to earn those things. And the consequence of that is we lose the, the heart of Jesus, which is to serve humanity, to give of ourselves. Um, so thinking spiritually in a natural world. And so I want to jump back into the prime scripture that we will use to take us across the finish line for this message today. And here it is. I have it for you on the overhead as well. Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. And... Well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. You know what Paul's doing right there? He's saying, don't make me come over there and act like you think I'm acting. You've never had a mom say that to you? Or a dad say that to you? Don't make me come over there. I will snatch a knot on your head. And that's something they would say down south. I know people don't say that stuff up here. <laughs> we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Listen to me. All of you that were at this altar just now, think about this passage of Scripture because Paul's saying there's a way to battle the things that have or take control in your life because it starts here. It starts right here. Your thinking processes manifest themselves in your manner, the way you walk it out, the way you talk it out. Let's move on to the last two verses. And after you've become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. I need to speak to that because this is going over the everways. That sounds really weird to you as you read that point. He's talking he, after your thoughts have become completely obedient. He's not trying to punish people, and that's not what he's speaking to. He's talking about punishing, if you will, the powers of darkness that are trying to do robbery in people's lives. Look at the obvious facts. Those who say we belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. Now, what I want to do to build on this passage of Scripture is to help you understand something. When Paul's writing this, this is the second letter to the Corinthian church. All right, you heard me say this. Uh, let me say it another way. 
This is the second letter to a church in Corinth. They are a very Pentecostal evangelical church. So now say to your neighbor, Paul's talking to you. Because we are a Pentecostal church. And we are certainly evangelical, as you could see from the video earlier in yesterday's events. So Paul's having to combat, if you will, some wrong thinking in the people that he was ministering to. And, and that's what this, so what you got to do is you look at what Paul's saying and you begin to understand things that he's combating. And this passage is one of the most helpful passages you will find on the battlefield of the mind. And it is a battlefield. Amen? If we could learn to fix this, we could do anything. Now, I specifically left you last week with five points that reveal natural thinking from this passage, and I'm going to re reiterate those five points before I launch into the rest of the message. So five points that reveal natural thinking from this passage. The first is prejudice instead of objective. They had a prejudice against Paul, if you will, because of the way he operated. Look at verse 2. It says, well, I am begging you now so that... When I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. You can't help prejudices. They come with us, right? They, they come with us. We, we, you can't, if someone were to stroll by right now by that side door and all of you were looking out there and you would look, if you saw somebody with a shopping cart full of what looked like old clothes and other paraphernalia and they were disheveled. You would have an opinion on who that person is. And so it establishes, and you don't have to work at this. This is natural. It's the way we are. All of us have these concepts. You look at somebody, uh, look, look at me with this funny mustache on my face. And, and you, you form an opinion on it. Now, some people... Awesome. That mustache is awesome. In fact, right now, Albert has mustache envy. She won't let me do it. I know. I know, brother. I heard the story yesterday. I, I'm praying for you now because she don't want you to have this. And we know you used to have something like this, right? But see, we form opinions based on that. And look, if, if Albert was to roll up his sleeve, you'd see all his tattoos on him. So you form an opinion. Based, you get an idea of where he's come from, what his life is like, right? That's the nature of humanity. You can't avoid what you see, think, hear, feel. You can't avoid it. It just happens. So they had prejudices, in this case, with Paul, based on his actions and what he's having to say now. You think I'm bold when I'm away from you. No, I'm bold in walking in the Spirit. And you also think that I act from human motives. That's what Paul was arguing here. You think that what I'm doing, I'm doing with human motives. And all of us operate with those human motives, so we transfer that when we think about other people and what we see and what they do. 
you can't help some prejudices. That doesn't make them right. I'm just saying that you can't help some of them. Secondly, they were focused on the visible rather than the invisible. I obviously just made that point. That's what developed some of our prejudices. But look at verse 3. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. He's, so they were focused on the visible. And so Paul's having to say, wait a minute, people. We don't operate from the, what, just the human. We don't, we don't fight this battle on human, on the human level. We're not waging war as humans do. We're doing battle in the spiritual realm. Listen, if we could figure out how to do battle on the, in, on the spiritual plane or at the spirit level, you'll get a whole lot more done in your life. You'll have a whole lot more effective life. That's why it's good to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because you can pray in the Spirit when you don't know what's going on and you don't know, you can't figure it all out. And you got to trust Holy Ghost to lead you and direct you. Third thing he, he, he comes against he's, is that they relied on human strength, not divine power. They relied on human strength, not divine power. Verse 4 says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So he's not talking about hand battle or combat. He's saying we use the mighty power of God to knock down strongholds that are of the Spirit. And until we get to recognize that there is a spirit world that you are a part of, you're going to always be subject to that spirit world and not know any better. You've got divine power. You can beat the devil at his game. You can beat him at his game. You just have to know who you're connected to and stay connected. The fourth thing he outlines is that they listen to men, not God. In verse 5, they listen to men, not God. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You know what he's talking about. There were false teachers and they were teaching people wrong mindsets and wrong doctrine. And so Paul has to come in and say, no, nah, we're going to do battle in that realm too. We're going to take those thoughts captive. You can do that if you walk in the spirit, really. And the fifth thing that I'll point out that he did uh, say to that church, and I said to you all last week, is that they looked at things on a fleshly surface level. Now, it's hard to get around that because you're human. We view things through the lens that we've been given. What we hear, what we smell, what we see, we react accordingly. That's human. So I'm not trying to tell you that you, you cannot operate as human. I'm simply trying to tell you, stop ignoring that you are more than just your human reasoning and, and ways. You are a spiritual being in a human body. Somebody say, go ahead, say that again, preacher. You are a spirit being that is housed in a human body. All you people online, I want to make sure you get this too. 
You are a spirit being housed in a human body. Your spirit being will live forever. Whatever happens with this, your spirit being goes on forever. Invest in that which is eternal. Build your spiritual man or woman. Build them. Stop dining on, delving into all the garbage and junk that tears your spiritual being down. So I'm going to pick up now where I left off last week. I was thinking to renumber this, but I left it this way simply because it ties in better with last week's message. And here we go, mind versus scripture. Mind or your human thinking versus the scripture and their scriptural mindset. What happens for us in our natural humanity is God's message gets muffled. It just, it, it comes with the territory because our trouble is that our mind picks up on uh, the signals of the world readily. <laughs> you can say amen because it does. Your mind picks up the signals of the world readily. How many of you have ever been watching TV? You'll see a commercial about pizza and think I need to order me some pizza. Yeah, so it happens because your natural thinking, it, it, it's easy to flow with that, isn't it? Because you're sitting here right now, some of you, you weren't hungry till I just mentioned pizza. And what happens is the message of God gets muffled. Subconsciously, we tune God out. It's not, you don't have to try to do this. This starts happening the moment you let something else in. When you begin to think in those very human ways or in that very human manner, it's natural. That doesn't make it okay or right. And, and that we should, we should learn how to begin to think from a spiritual mindset, that you are a spirit being in a natural world. It'll change the way you approach things. And, and so I want to now look at the mental barriers that block out God's directives. So that's where I'm going to go right now. So let's, I'm going to focus on four words from this passage of Scripture, all of which have to do with our thinking or mental processes. Four words from the passage of Scripture, again, from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 7. And, um, and, and, and we're going to draw out four of the words mentioned there, and, and I want to build on those words to help you understand what happens in our lives uh, that with our human thinking or our mental processes. First one is our mental stronghold, our strongholds. And here's what happens. As God attempts to communicate his truth to us, he runs up against our attitudes and mindset. God is attempting to communicate with us. God is attempting to reach into our lives, but he runs up against our attitudes and mindset. And what are our attitudes and mindset? Well, attitudes that are prejudice, limited thinking, and negative mentality. 
We all have them whether we want to admit we have them or not. Negative mentality. I can't do that. Oh, that's impossible. Uh, limited thinking. Let me ask you this question. This is how it works out. I want to make it practical for you. How many of you in this room will show by the uplifted hand that you eat to live? Raise your hand. You eat to live. Put your hands down. Let's try it another way. How many of you live to eat? So it sounds like the same words, doesn't it? But it's different. Right? So one of the reasons that I have become a pretty good cook is because I like to eat. I like the nuances of the flavor. Sister Wavina bring me a thing of curry chicken. Man, my palate is dancing. So I, I'm not saying, Sister Wavina, I want you to bring me some curry chicken. Don't take that. Get the, see, see, that's your thinking right now. He's got an ulterior motive. Listen, if I wanted to do that, I would. There are a lot of people I could call out on that kind of stuff. My point in saying all of that is that we approach cooking differently. Pastor Amy eats to live. So she's happy to have food. And, and you know, you can, you, can, you can get spaghetti out of a can. Y'all shudder with me. <laughs> but you can do it, right? Spaghetti sauce, you can buy it out of the can. You can put it over some noodles that anybody can boil up some noodles till they're so nasty raw or nasty soggy that they're no good. But you can eat it and you can live off that, right? And many of you in this place, you approach eating in that manner. Like we just, we eat to live. And that's okay. And I, I'm overemphasizing the point because I can tell you that Pastor Amy's a great cook. She did some spaghetti with meatballs that went off the charts yesterday. And I'm not just trying to recover myself. I am going to make a point, though, using this as an illustration. I prepared a roast this morning. 5.15, I was sauteing, searing the, the roast to go in the crock pot. And... I'm put, I chose my seasonings specifically. I chose what I put in the pan that would create the sear. All of these things go into the process. There are some onions and some peppers that are going to join this affair. And I create the sauce that's going to go in the crock pot so that it tenderizes and brings more taste. It was speed beef, by the way. <laughs> they know what that means. Anyway, it, it, the point is, I enjoy eating, so I approach it from a different perspective. I don't, I like, I eat, I like to, I live to eat, is the best way to put it. Amen. 
I'm going to go home, I'm going to enjoy that, and I'm going to, not just having some plain old white rice either to put all that gravy in. Oh, man, see, now I got you thinking about it, right? <laughs> but it starts up here. All of that starts right up here. When we decide what we're having, she looks at me and she says, do you want to do this? I say, yes. But I know from that moment, I'm going to approach what's going to happen differently. If we'll learn to do this, we have these strongholds in our spiritual lives, in our lives, period. We have strongholds in our prejudices, our limited thinking, our negative mentality, our strongholds that Jesus wants you to get out of your being. These strongholds can be huge. They're like walls or barriers that, in this case, prevent us from breakthrough. And that's the real point here. It's why God wants us to, to have this real breakthrough. He, and, and, and he wants us to change our thinking. That's the pathway to the breakthrough. Those things that get in the way. Second thing in word, words that I want you to focus on is our mental imaginations or speculation. We have natural and humanistic reasonings that give these imaginations strength. And we employ defense mechanisms, rationalizations, and other habitual patterns of thought. I need to make this practical for you. Pastor Amy and I were just down, we celebrated our anniversary a couple weekends ago, the 2nd of August, and we were down in Florida, and so we were on. We went to the Atlantic coast over by Cape Canaveral, Cocoa Beach area. We like to go over to that area, uh, the the lesser beaches, if you will, not so crowded, etc. In fact, we we specifically got away from crowds, and and we still went to a nice beach, but it was, it's just what we know and understand and we like. And my point in bringing this forward to you is. Um, some of you know that I was born and raised in Florida. So uh, I was born and raised on the Gulf side and beach, salt water, swimming was part of everyday life for about 10 months of our year. And we were always in the water and always. I, I mean, I could spend, when I say I could spend hours in salt water till, till I looked like a frog with you know, everything was all crinkled up from being in the water so much. Stuff like that. And we, we did that frequently. But around the age of 12, yeah, I think it was 12, when the movie Jaws came out. <laughs> Jaws ruined my life. Put that one together with the legend of Boggy Creek. Y'all don't know that one? It was about Bigfoot. So then you couldn't go in the woods, especially at night, because that seemed to be when he was always visible. And then you can't be in the water because there's always a white, great white somewhere lurking by, right? If not him, some of his dirty cousins, Bull and Tiger, they're, they're around. And my 
and, and I'm saying all of this, so here we are. I'm 60 years old now, folks. 60 years old. I know the reality. And yet, I get out about this far in the water, and I'm starting to think now. Humanistic reasonings give these imaginations strength. I could, I'd be probably 500 miles from the nearest great white. But that ain't what's happening up here. You know, and then you got people up on the shoreline, hey, did you see that fin out there? And I know it's a porpoise. I know that. Still, those imaginations, it gives them strength because you're going back to that movie and you've seen enough. And, you know, I do watch Discovery Channel now anyway. And you, if you haven't seen it, the, what did they have? Shark Week was just a couple of weeks ago, right? Some of y'all know you were watching it. You saw them too. And then they show you that picture, that elevated view that all the, the 150 bull sharks are just cruising up the coastline. They can see them. Aerial view. They're just cruising up the shoreline. So I'm figuring they're probably right out there. Just, a, just about where James is from me. This is what happens in our minds, folks. And I'm saying this with something that is it's intended to make you laugh a little bit, but the reality is we live in those zones. We live in those zones with everything we face, every area of your life, your work life, your school life, your home life, your relationships with your spouse, every area. We allow these mechanisms. They are, they are part of our life. And what happens when you come to Jesus, you got to learn how to push those thoughts aside that are contrary to the mindset and thinking of Christ. And so, as God's truths try to penetrate, our minds habitually guard against such alien thoughts. <laughs> they're, they're, the, the mind and thinking of Christ is so different from ours and, and we don't like the intrusion. And we just kind of cut it off. Either gently or blatantly, we cut it off. It, God is fighting to renew our minds. He's fighting to, to bring a regeneration that brings life and hope to you. Do you realize your mind is working to defend the many years of secular teaching it has processed? It is. It's just like... It, how do I explain this? You know when somebody comes up with some new diet? You know, like eat banana peels and next thing you know, 40 pounds lighter. Well, of course, it's, anyway, that's disgusting. No wonder you're 40 pounds lighter. You can't put anything in your mouth after eating a banana peel. But my point in saying that is that... We, your mind goes, wait a minute. If it were that easy, I've done this illustration before, if it were that easy and we could just take a pill to lose, I don't know, 10 pounds, you'd pay 100 bucks for that. Some of you'd pay 100 bucks straight up. And you'd go all the way, 50 pounds, 500 bucks, I'm there. 
if it were just that easy. But that's what, but, but you know better. Hopefully you know better. Then the newest fad, the newest thing. We have me, a mental imagination and speculation. Number three, the word I want to look at is mental high things. Mental high things. These defense mechanisms, this defense mechanism really is pride and the things that pride prompts. Pride makes things happen in your life. What kind of things, preacher, does pride make things happen or make happen in your life? Pride prompts argumentation, an unteachable spirit, stubbornness, and a refusal to change. Has somebody that loves you ever told you that you're stubborn? Argumentative? Argumentative? You slowed down just a little bit there. Unteachable? Do you refuse to change? Now, obviously I'm not talking about the things of God. But if in your natural way you refuse to change, is it possible that you have a problem with pride? And here's what's going on. Our unrenewed minds often ask of scriptural truths, who needs that, or I've gotten along well till now. I'm going to say this again later, but I, I, I should say it right now because it fits in this point. When it comes to your mind versus scripture, the scripture says, if somebody slaps you in your one cheek, turn to them the other. That's not natural, is it? You don't think that way, do you? Go ahead, say amen, preacher. We think we've gotten along well. This is to serve me well, you know. Supposed to stand up to bullies. I was taught that by my parents, Pastor. Okay. Okay. How does it fit in with the scriptures? And I'm not really talking about this physical thing as much as I'm talking about how we counter other people that we deal with on a regular basis. Because we have more of a get even mentality. Which brings us to our final of these four words, our mental thoughts. And all thoughts, I realize, are mental. I'm not tripping over my words here, but I'm staying with the, if you followed me, mental has led every one of these points. Our mental thoughts. We have thoughts and techniques which push away God's word and his promptings, such as I just said to you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other. We push those kinds of thoughts away, right? When the scripture says it, we habitually think to get even rather than overlooking wrong done. You mess me, I'm going to mess you back. I may even mess you up worse. That's how we think. That's human, right? All of you did it with your siblings. If your brother or your sister smacked you, you smacked them back and you tried to do it harder. Some of you are sitting here right now with your siblings and you know it's true. And so when the scripture says, 
teaches the opposite way, we say, no way. When the scripture says, do it this way, we're thinking, no way. I'm not going that way. Here's what Matthew 20, verse 16 says. So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Doesn't that go against everything inside of your head, doesn't it? Come on, you might as well be honest. It goes against everything the way you naturally think. Those who are last now will be first then. What? That's so backwards. It is backwards to our human reasoning. Matthew 23, verses 11 and 12, put it this way. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The greatest among you is the one who serves you. Wow. That's different thinking, isn't it? But it's scriptural. So let me take you to the conclusion. This is the longest conclusion I've ever had, so don't get your hopes up. But we don't have to serve our secular mentality. You are in the world, but not. Let's try that again. You did pretty good. I want you to do real good. You are in the world, but not. Amen. We've been freed, gloriously freed. Before salvation, you had no hope as, as victims of humanistic impulses and defenses. You had no hope. You, were, you, you would go with the tide before salvation. But now you have the hope that has been placed in you by the power of Holy Spirit within you. He's in you. Look at your neighbor right now and say the Holy Ghost is in you. Why does that matter? Because at the cross, Jesus defeated the enemy. So this is a battle. I declare that the word declares you can win. Sin is no longer the victor. Sin is finished. All of you that were at the altar earlier, sin has finished its work because Jesus defeated the power of sin over your life. But here's the deal. Your old nature is fighting the finished work of Christ. Your old nature is going to constantly do battle in this zone. It resists all messages that would give us freedom. Your old nature does. That's why I said it the way that I said it earlier when I asked you folks to come out and raise your hands earlier about where you might have a bondage or a stronghold or something going on that the enemy's doing in your life. Because, you, you know, your old nature likes the same old things that felt good to you. You get saved, full of the Holy Ghost, born again, and you're walking with Jesus with everything within you. That doesn't mean some of the things that used to attract you will not any longer attract you. The natural man will still be drawn towards those things.
Those of you who struggle with alcohol, don't go hanging out with your family and friends that, that have it in abundance. Your natural nature, your nature will want to do what it used to enjoy. Just don't go, just don't, you can't go there anymore. You can't go there anymore. And that same thought goes with every other bondage or stronghold. It's getting a little thick in here. I probably should move on. What happens is that all renewed mind information gets muffled in this process. Because all of those things I just talked about, those four words, up go the imaginations, the strongholds, the high things, the human-driven thought processes. All of those things go up and they stand in the way of you crossing over and getting to where Jesus wants you to go. Being strong in your heart because from your spirit man, your spirit person is strong and capable and can tear down those imaginations, can tear down those strongholds, can tear down all of those processes that are of the old nature. You've been renewed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's placed his Holy Spirit within you. You can overcome. Stop allowing that negative mentality to tell you, I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm too weak. I just fall prey. Yes, you can. Jesus didn't hang on that cross so you could get beat up every time the devil comes around trying to tell you, here's something that you'll enjoy. What your old nature resists most, though, is taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Your old nature is going to resist it and keep resisting it. But you got to take those thoughts captive. I'm not going down that path. Tell it. Tell the devil, I'm not going down that path. You're a fool, devil, trying to mess with me like that. I ain't going there. Talk to him that way. Mean business with the devil. Don't play with him. Tell him straight up, I'm not going there. When the first thought arrives, not going there. I'm not going to allow myself down that path. Messed up enough of your life. Come on, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If we operate that way, the renewed mind is in full action. We're resisting the strongholds. We're resisting the imaginations. With a renewed mind, servanthood will flow freely. And that's what the heart of the message is, is we learning how to serve like Jesus served. Here it is from the, those, uh, just those middle verses from 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. Read this way. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. You hearing me? You can't win this battle with your flesh. You cannot win this battle that way. Learn how to get on your knees and fight the fight in the power of Holy Spirit. We use God's mighty weapons. 
not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. You're trying to fix people. You're trying to convince people with your own human reasoning. You need the power of the Holy Ghost on the scene. He'll give you more than you can ever come up with on your own. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. He's not talking about capturing the people. He's talking about capturing those thoughts. Did you notice, by the way, the, the power in verse, the divine power in verse four? Let's look at that again. We use God's mighty weapons not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. God's mighty weapons. God's mighty weapons. He's all-powerful. And he's placed his spirit in you. That's why I tell you, you can do more than you ever thought you possibly could. And here's what the Word of God is telling us. Servants with renewed minds have a perspective on life and a power to live life that is altogether uniquely divinely empowered. Sorry. You have a perspective on life and a power to live life that is altogether unique, divinely empowered. That's what you have. And that explains how This is so powerful. That explains how wrongs can be forgiven, how offenses can be forgotten, and how objectives can be pursued day in and day out without quitting. Look at your neighbor right now and say, walk in divine power. Come on, Helen, walk in divine power. Well, now I really am concluding. And here's a primary thought that you have to walk away with. When we think correctly, we begin to respond correctly. I've said it many times already today, but it all starts up here. When we think correctly, we begin to respond correctly. How can we demolish those things that that once blew us away? Because that's what I'm telling you today. I'm telling you those things which had power over you don't have to remain in place. You can walk in power. You can walk in anointing. You can be an overcomer. You can achieve breakthrough in the areas that used to destroy you daily. How does that happen? By Christ living out his life in us. So that means you've given up more territory to Jesus, giving up more territory, more time to him, dedicating more time to him and getting into his word. Because if you don't have this in here, then you're not going to be able to walk it out out here. By his power, we can give ourselves away again and again and not fear the outcome. 
Sounds like a great spot for the song. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself myself away so you use me I give myself away I give myself away so I want you to walk away with these three final truths. So you have them in your notes. I want to be sure that I give you everything here. Servants don't keep score. You know what it is because you keep score. I'm not trying to point you out, but if the shoe fits, you're going to have to wear it today. We tend to keep score. It's just in our nature. You know how many times that neighbor has messed with you. <laughs> Servants don't keep score. They're not parading their rights. They're sacrificing their rights to build another up. Ask yourself, what's the cost to build up that nasty neighbor, co-worker, schoolmate? What's the cost? What are you willing to give up? Give myself away. Those are hard songs to sing when it comes down to the reality. All right, I said there were three truths. Here's the second one. Thinking right always precedes acting right. Thinking right always precedes acting right. Folks, you can apply this to your whole faith spectrum. If you start thinking scripturally, if you start thinking right, it's always going to precede acting right. You're never going to act in a way that your thinking is opposite of. Finally, and you know this to be true, as I've said, I've said it multiple times, even today. It all begins in the mind. That's why we need a renewed mind. All begins in the mind. That's why it's expedient that these minds be renewed. And the only way your mind's going to ever be renewed is by you choosing to yield to Jesus in your daily life. Would you stand to your feet, please? I give myself away I give myself away So you can use me I give myself away 
close your eyes for a moment please I don't want to end any service maybe you're watching online or if you're in the house and there's a chance that things are not right between you and Christ even the remote possibility that you would leave here today and not be in a right place with Christ that grieves my heart so I can't allow the service to go on without at least asking if there's anyone in the room today. If Jesus were to rapture his church right now before I even ended this service, if you're not ready for that moment, if there's even a remotest possibility that he might not take you, I want you to lift your hand and say, Preacher, I need you to pray for me. Come on, come on, don't pass this opportunity. If you're the least bit sure of your relationship or position with Christ, thank you. Anybody else? Say, I need to get things right with Christ. I don't want to walk out of this place today leaving some junk in the middle in, in, in my relationship and in the way. Possibly be one of those that he says, depart from me. God bless you. Now here's what I got to do. It's easy for you to raise your hands in the back of the church or wherever you are in the building and, and acknowledge that things are not good between you and Christ, but I'm going to ask you to make that bold move to actually walk out of your pew if you raised your hand and you mean business with God and you want to get things right with the Lord today. Come on, come on, come on, brother. God bless you. Give myself away. Come on, don't let this brother be the only one. If you're out there and there's a question mark, remove the question mark. Remove it. Just get things right. Know that all is well. All is well. Don't leave with any doubt. So you can use me. Come on, brother, let's pray this prayer. You can stay right there, just pray it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I thank you, Jesus. You died on the cross. You died for me. You shed your blood so I don't have to carry my sin. Please forgive me, Lord. For every sin, anything between you and I, Lord, forgive me of that. From this moment, I confess you as both my Lord and my Savior. From this moment, I am yours. Amen. What's your name? Richard? Nice to meet you, Richard. There's a gentleman right behind you. Would you walk with him just over here to the my left, your right? Hallelujah. Now listen, obviously this message was geared for people that love Jesus like the, 
people in Corinth. But we got messed up minds. So look at your neighbor right now and say, I know you're messed up in your head. I see you. No, you know I'm messing with you all right now because what I want you to confess is the power of Christ can change those mindsets that have you locked in, blocked, and, and keep you from getting to where Jesus wants you to go. Amen? So how many of you will confess with me you need Jesus to renew your mind? How many of you, like Peter, will say, Help me, Jesus, I'm seeking. Lord, I need you. We all need you. We desperately need you, Lord, to help us. God, we live in this world, but we're doing our best to not be of it, Lord Jesus. But that of it part creeps in day in and day out. Forgive us, Lord, where we've given up territory to the enemy. Help us to be renewed in our minds, Lord. Renewed in our minds. We're going to confess your word. We're going to walk your word out in our lives. We're going to believe you over what we think, what we've been taught by our natural minds and humanistic reasoning. We're going to be overcomers. So say this with me, church. You can make this confession. I am no longer bound by my past, by my sins. I have been set free. My victory is in the cross and in the work of Jesus Christ. I will overcome. Amen. Love you, folks. Hey, don't forget to sign up for the picnic. Tell us what you're going to do, what you're going to bring, and all that good stuff. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us 
and give through www.centralfamily.net.